0: are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hope at Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now here's this week's message.
1: Amen. Thank you, praise team and choir. Thank you, Joey. Alan, thank you so much. Crossroads, you guys sound really good when you actually sing. And I know, depending on how your week has been, you may not be in a singing mood. I get that. And I know there are a lot of ways to worship other than singing. It happens to be my favorite way. There are a lot of ways. Um... My prayer, I think I've mentioned to you before, is that uh, for our church, one of my prayers, I have many, but one of my prayers is that God would make us a worshiping church. Uh, We are, we are to a certain degree. Uh, i got to say thank you to my friend Heath for pinch-hitting last week, and I'm so grateful for him and his ability to preach the Word. I listened to the podcast and just, uh, wow, was challenged from what he shared with us last week, so thank you, brother, I appreciate you. Uh, Last week, I hung out for an extra day in the Dominican because our missionaries had asked me to preach. Uh, I've never preached in all the 10 years I've been going to the Dominican Republic, never preached in a Dominican church. Let's just say it was different than Crossroads. Uh, Not better, not worse, just different, just different. One of the major differences was they don't speak English. So, uh, you might say, well, then how did you preach? Well, I had a translator, and that was very interesting. And they told me before, they're like, you're probably going to have to cut your message in half. I know some of you would vote for that, too. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Because they said, however long your message is, which was a good reminder. I, I knew this, but it was good to be reminded. Multiply it by two, because every time you say, I'm so glad to be here today... The Spanish translator has to say, I'm so glad to be here today in Spanish and back and forth and back and forth. It's double. It's double your length of your sermon. Uh, But I had a great time uh, Sunday morning in one church and Sunday night with another church. And uh, as great as it was, and it was great, I missed you. I missed this. Dear friend, I hope you don't take this for granted. This this is special. I'm not encouraging you to stay out of church, but if you were to stay out for two or three weeks, I hope that you would miss the fellowship of this church. I believe that you would if you're actually plugged into the life of this church. I would believe believe you would miss it. So I'm I'm grateful to be uh, be back and to be with you today. We're going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 as you're... turning there in your Bible or looking that up on your app or your device, 1 Timothy chapter 4, I want to be honest with you as I am every Sunday and tell you I'm a little antsy about today's sermon. uh, Because today's sermon is about me, about Heath, about Joey. Those of us who call ourselves pastor, the sermon today, the text today is about us. And so I want to just encourage you, just kick back. Relax, you can take your shoes off, because I'm not even going to be talking about you this morning. And you're like, well, it's about time you preach to yourself. Uh, I preach to myself every week, not just when it's talking about the pastor, but this text is talking about the pastor. And if you've been following along in the book of 2 Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you'll know, Paul talked about the elders, he talked about widows, he talked about church people. And now finally, he gets to his attention in discipling this young guy named Timothy. He gets to the point of saying, Now, you, as a pastor, I got some instructions for you. And I'll be honest with you as I read over this again several times this morning. um, Wow. Sometimes when I read this passage of Scripture, it makes me want to turn in my resignation letter. Just being honest. I've served in seven churches, 33 years of ministry, and here's something I've come to the realization of, and you may already know this. I hope you do. I will never, Joey will never, Heath will never, I will never, ever be able to meet every expectation of every person in our church. not going to happen. I want to sometimes, especially when there are expectations that are Biblical expectations, I want to meet those all the time. There are a lot of expectations for the life of a pastor. My heart breaks, and I know I can speak for Joey and Heath. I've had friends in the ministry over the last two years, especially, who instead of choosing to resign from their church, they've actually taken their lives because of the pressure they felt as a pastor uh, and leading people, especially in the two years almost of COVID. COVID. I'm just, as you know, every week I'm honest with you. I'm just going to be honest with you this morning. When I, when I read some of these verses, it's just like, okay, I, I see ya. Because outside of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God through me and, and actually through all of us, the body of Christ, the church, none of what Paul says to Timothy is going to happen and none of it's really going to matter. And what he's saying to Timothy, what we're going to read is, the way uh, things should function, should, keywords should function in the life of a church. I'm grateful for Crossroads because I think we are, we are tracking along on most of the things that Paul says to Timothy. Not just this chapter, but in every chapter that we've looked at so far. You know, the reality is, uh, we've been talking about this even as a staff over the last few weeks. I know in some churches that I've served in before Crossroads... I even wondered if Jesus Christ himself could have met some of the expectations of the people. When I came here almost three years ago, just shy of three years, a few months from that, um, that's one of the reasons I emphasized to our uh, pastor search committee and to many of you uh, I desperately want, my heart's desire is that even from a staff, it's a team effort. From a church, it's a team effort. Anytime you put one person up on a pedestal as the one sole brain or spokesperson, you're setting yourself up for failure in the church or any organization. And so I say these things that are on my heart with you this morning as we look at God's Word in full uh, knowledge uh, that is a huge responsibility to have the title or role of a pastor. Uh, we were even talking this past week uh, about the past pastors that have been here at Crossroads. And, and I just want to say something to you. I think I've said this before, but in light of what we're getting ready to read, I want to say this to you. God's plan for Crossroads, every former pastor that has been here. I want you to know this. I stand on the shoulders, and our current staff stand on the shoulders of every former pastor that has served here. You may have liked some of them. You may have not liked some of them. You may have liked some of them better than the other. But God, if He's sovereign, and by the way, I believe God is sovereign, He had in His plan those people who were in that position to get us to this point in history. I look back at our history, the same thing as I've said before when it comes to giving, and hundreds of people that had a vision for this church to be planted here, right here on this road. We stand on the shoulders of those people. There's not a Sunday that doesn't go by that I don't think about that when I stand behind this pulpit right here. It's a huge responsibility. And there are seasons of life for families and individuals, just like there are seasons of life alive uh, for churches. And it just so happens in this season that we're in as Crossroads Baptist Church, God in His sovereignty gave me the joy of being in the position with the team that we have here at Crossroads to serve. I'm thankful for that. I don't know how long that season's going to last. I hope it's going to last a long time. But at some point, there will come a season where... I will be gone, Joey will be gone, Heath will be gone, Kayla will be Our staff will move on to the next chapter that God has for us. And the question will be, did we do what God has called us to do? And in this season, I think about all that we have going on in the life of our church. We have missions. We have our building fund project. We have things like the safety team that are high priority right now with what's going on in our culture and in our world when it comes to safety issues. And and the list goes on and on and on. So what should we expect then from a pastor? Well, let's read it. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Here's what Paul says. I solemnly charge you. And by the way, that's a, a term that would be used in a courtroom. As if Paul is saying to Timothy, I'm charging you, I'm getting ready to give you solemn testimony as if you were in a court of law. Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. We just sung about it. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction for the time will come when they will endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and they'll turn away their ears from the truth and they will turn aside to myths but you but you Timothy be sober in all things endure hardship do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry wow that's a lot <laughs> That's a lot. So let's look at him briefly this morning. Here's the first one. The first thing he says to Timothy here's your role as a pastor. Preach the word. Verse 2 preach the word. Paul's emphasis to Timothy all throughout 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, every letter that Paul wrote in the New Testament, all his letters that he wrote, is all about the emphasis on preaching God's word. Preach the word, preach the word, share the word, preach the word. It's been constant. As a matter of fact, we know that just in the book of First and Second Timothy, there are over thirty-six times that Paul tells Timothy, in some way, shape, or form, stay true to the gospel, share the gospel, preach the gospel. So it's important. Thirty-six times he says that. And as a matter of fact, he he references seventeen times false teachers to kind of show the difference, the contrast about share the word of God, preach the word of God, avoid false teaching. Preaching the Word of God is one of the paramount responsibilities. Obviously, as a pastor, I remember serving, and I've had the privilege to serve with a lot of great pastors, and I've had the privilege as a youth pastor, worship pastor, associate pastor, to serve with some lead pastors or senior pastors that huh, were interesting. I remember serving with a great pastor one time, and he was so busy during the week, he was phenomenal. Phenomenal preacher, Phenomenal pastor. But I remember over many, many months he would come to me at staff meeting and uh, we would have our staff meetings at the end of the week and he would say, wow, I've spent so much time on this, this, and this. I really haven't had time to study the Word of God. And I said to him finally after one time as a young little 20, late 20-year-old guy, Pastor, that is the paramount job that we as the people in the seats need every Sunday is to know you've been spending time with God because your responsibility is to preach the Word. Preach the Word. All the other things are important. But Paul is saying to Timothy, a paramount importance is preaching the word. And I know that there's a balance there. I was talking to a young, soon-to-be pastor just a few weeks ago who was talking about how long it takes him to prepare his message, the times that he's been able to fill the pulpit at his particular church. He said, I was able to spend 20 hours this week practicing and studying and preaching the Word of God. And I said, brother, that's fantastic, but I just want to give you a warning. You're probably not going to have time every week to study 20 hours for preaching. So there's a balance that you have to figure out as a pastor. I I want you to know that there are... Every week without fail, I can say, honestly, God is my witness. I have studied and studied so that I'm prepared up here on Sunday morning. I don't want you to show up and me to be winging it. You don't want that either, by the way. I know pastors that do that. Well, they wake up on Saturday night and I just... All right, okay, great, I'll preach on that. Exodus, you know, the Levitical law. They're going to really love that Sunday morning. Not that Exodus or Leviticus are bad books. But we have to study. We have to prepare. Paul said this to Timothy in many places. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. Hold fast the pattern of sound words, he said in the first chapter of this same book. Rightly divide the word of truth. He said just a few chapters back. All scripture we talked about last week is given by the inspiration of God. This book, Preaching the Word, is the most important thing for a pastor to do. And it cannot be sidelined or substituted with other things. Can I get a witness? I hope you know that to be true. There are churches within driving distance of where we sit who want to share great things with their people on Sunday morning. And there's all kinds of jokes and poems, and I'm not, uh, I'm not against jokes or poems. But if the sole content of what's delivered from this pulpit, whoever stands up here to preach on Sunday morning, is jokes and poems and news headlines, go somewhere else. Because that's not going to change your life. The news headlines are not inspired by God, the Word of God is inspired by God. The Word of God is profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction. Not the headlines and not Robert Frost, as much as I am a fan of Robert Frost. That's hard. I'm just telling you, as a pastor, that's hard. Because there's many Sundays and many weeks in looking toward the following Sunday that I could just say, well, I'll just kind of throw in this and throw in that one of the reasons that I prefer, and some of you said you like this, some of you maybe not, I don't know, but one of the reasons I prefer to go book by book and verse by verse is you have to stay on track with the Word of God, you can't get sidelined, you can't interject other things that are unimportant, you have to go along and do what the text preaches, and you have to hit the fun topics, like comfort and peace, and you have to hit the hard topics, like the one we're talking about this morning for me. And as a pastor, Timothy was not just required to merely know the Word or like the Word or approve the Word. He was required, according to what Paul is solemnly charging him with, he was required to preach the Word. Not everybody who opens up a Bible and starts speaking is preaching the Word. Many well-intentioned preachers that we see on television, maybe you listen to on radio, it's, they're actually preaching themselves. They're not really preaching the Word of God. Be discerning, church family, because that's going to be on the rise, the Bible tells us, in the end days. And the reason Paul goes on later in a few verses and tells Timothy why that's going to be attractive is because it makes you feel good. In church, we live in a culture where that's the number one priority for most people is just tell me something that will make me feel good. Sometimes God's Word will make you feel good. When you're reminded that greater is He that is in you than he that's in the world, that makes me feel good. I'm more than a conqueror in Jesus. That makes me feel good. But when there's things in there that challenge me, and when the Word of God is held up against my life, when that Word that we just sung about that's a lamp into my feet and a light into my path shines onto my path, and I look at my path and I'm like, well, where, how did I wind up in the weeds and the rocks? Because I wasn't following what God's Word said. And that's true of pastors and true of believers in general. So we've got to preach the word. Here's the next thing that he says, though. Be ready in season and out of season. Now, I know because we have some of you in the the church family, there are seasons for fishing. There are seasons for deer hunting. There are seasons for this and seasons for that. But according to what Paul says to Timothy... The season to preach the word is every day, 24-7, 365. Be ready in season, out of season, when when you're ready or not, when it's easy, when it's hard, when it's fruitful or not, be ready. My friend Joey and I know that when we went to Malawi, Africa, we had prepared, thankfully. We didn't know, though, for sure who was going to preach when, because Pastor Mark, after the music, would just kind of look at the row of preachers and go, you're up. And if you weren't ready, it's like, oh, where's my notes? So we knew you better be ready. After day one, we figured out his technique was, surprise, you're up. You got to be ready. Church, I'll just be honest. The Word of God still changes lives. I was sitting in a home, and I'll share more about this, our Dominican team and uh our Bennettsville team will be sharing with you in a couple of weeks kind of our mission report, but I'll suffice to say I'll share this story with you. This past week, I was standing in a little home in the Dominican. We were praying with a lady. Uh, I guess it was her sister was sitting beside me quietly. We prayed for this lady for all her needs. She she obviously knew Jesus. We got up to walk out of the house, and thankfully I was listening. And I felt like God said, you didn't really talk to the young lady beside you and ask her anything. Why don't you talk to her? So I looked at her again through the translator and I said, what's your name? And she said, my name is Alejandra. I said, nice to meet you. nombre Jack." I said, how can we pray for you today? And she shared a prayer request. And something, the Holy Spirit kind of got a hold of my heart and said, you need to ask her if she knows me. So I just looked at her and I said, Sweetheart, do you know Jesus? I said, no. I said, is there anything right now in this moment preventing you from receiving the gift of free salvation from Jesus Christ? She said, no, that's what I want. And right there standing in her home, I was able to share with her how she could come to know Jesus and she prayed and asked Jesus into her life. Thank God I was ready. Thank God I was tuned in. Church family, can I encourage you? There are people that you work with, that you go to school with, maybe under the roof of your home, maybe friends, neighbors, relatives, they are ready to receive Jesus. They're waiting on someone just to be ready to say, would you like to receive the free gift of grace from Jesus Christ? That's the power and the authority that comes from God's word and coming from being ready in season and out of season, but Paul goes on to tell Timothy some other things. <laughs> here's where it gets here's where it gets really hard. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. And Paul had a. Incredible challenge to Timothy, not just to preach the word, but to do it in such a way that you reprove, rebuke and exhort. And by the way, the word of the word of God will do that all on its own. He was to take the word of God and figuratively hold it up against the lives of the people and say, does your life match this? And And if not, then one of the two is out of sync and it's not. It's not God's Word. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Why would he say that? Well, Second Timothy is reminding us, Paul is reminding us here in these verses to Timothy that we need the true preaching of the Word of God. Why? Why do we need the true teaching of the Word of God? He goes on to tell us, because there is coming a time where man will not want to hear the Word of God. I think it's 2022. Actually, maybe it was 1970. Actually, ever since I've been on the planet, that's kind of been the case. People really don't want to hear the Word of God. Why is that? Because man with our natural instinct, we do not really want a revelation from God. Because if we got a revelation from God, and we saw God for who He really is, just like Isaiah in the book of Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah saw himself for who He was, and God for who He really was, he realized, woe is me, I am a sinful man with unclean lips. And when I look at a holy God and I look at me, I see quite the contrast, which means there's drastic room for improvement. And we don't oftentimes want to hear that. So it's hard. Can I be really honest? The longer that I stay here at this church, Lord willing, the harder it will be for me to be honest. Say, why is that so? Because I will grow to love you more and more. And as I grow to love you more and more, hopefully most of you, yeah, I think, okay, most of you, all of you. As I grow to love you more and more, which is, is a true unconditional love, then I will overlook things in your life more and more because I love you. And my own human nature will start to not put the spotlight on those things because that puts the spotlight on things in my friend's life that are not right. And I don't want to put the spotlight on my, because that's my friend. And I want you guys to be my friend. I want you to be my friend. My family needs you guys to be my friend. We need friends. Every pastor, Joey, Heath, Cal, our staff, we need friends. But can I be honest with you? More than you being my friend, and I want you to be my friend, my responsibility to God is to share with you and preach the word. When I quit doing that, please ask for my resignation and tell me it's time to hit the door. And that's hard. Because I love you. It's the same way with our kids. Sometimes we overlook certain things that they do. Why? Because we love them. And then inevitably it may get to a point where we're like, okay, they just crossed the line and then we come in with the whammy. And they're like, well, what in the world happened? And they don't realize you've just been letting it drag on and on because you love them. I'm thankful that our Heavenly Father doesn't love us that way. Because the Bible says, whom the Father loves, He chastens and He disciplines. And I know in our humanity that's hard to figure out. How do we we wrap up love and discipline and rebuke and reproof and... And some people think when they are reproved or rebuked or corrected, well, you must not really love me. No, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't wouldn't tell you what God's Word says. And so Paul tells Timothy, look out because people are going to start to not really be concerned in wanting the truth. They're going to want, as a matter of fact, he says it this way. He says, they're going to want their ears to be tickled, they're going to have itching ears. They will accumulate themselves, someone to have their ears tickled, that will tickle their ears. They'll accumulate teachers in accordance to their own desires. And we see that happening even in Greer, Simpsonville, Five Forks, Woodruff, wherever you live. We see that happening right here. We see people kind of slipping out. We see people, be really honest, we see people slipping out of our own congregation. Well, they're not back because of COVID. Really? COVID? On their social media, they're at the plays and the concerts and the movie theaters and the restaurants, but they're not back at church because of COVID. They're not back at church because I could give you my own opinion why they're not back at church. The sad part that really... I'm being honest with you. I lose sleep about I shouldn't, but I do because I'm a worrier. Because I'm human like you. The thing I lose sleep about sometimes and probably I could speak for the staff too because I know they love you. And I worry about is people that will wind up just slipping away, getting off of the bus, so to speak, of crossroads and just going somewhere else. And then I have to remind myself according to what We're being challenged with in God's word right here. Not everybody's going to stay on the bus. Not everybody's going to stay on the team. We're going to lose some people. We've already lost some people. Say, Pastor, how do you respond to that? Well, it hurts. It hurts. I cry about it. I mourn about it. I get upset about it. The other part of me, though, if 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 I have to do, as Paul is challenging Timothy as a pastor, if I have to tune in and do what? I'm being challenged to do. I have to be fine with losing people. Not that we're trying to lose people. Not that we're trying to offend people. But if the Word of God offends you, and you're a child of God, and the Word of God offends you, and you decide, I don't want to listen to that. I want our church to grow numerically. But can I tell you something? Jesus changed the world with 12 people sold out to Him. It's not about numbers. Sometimes actually a lot of numbers prevent you from being what God's called you to be. That's another sermon for a different time. I'm not, I, I don't want us to lose people. I want all of us to go where God wants us to go together because we need each other as a body of Christ. I had a pastor a friend of mine I was confiding in this past week reminded me once again as I've heard many times over the last couple years he said God's multiplication is sometimes subtraction. God help us. Let's not be the ones that want our ears tickled. And he goes on to say they've actually turned aside to their own desires in verse 4. They turn away their ears from the truth and they turn aside to myths or fables or another translation says fantasies. And those are all kinds of fantasies and fables going around even from preachers in the pulpit. Enemies trying to show up this morning. Do I need to switch gears? I'm getting a nod back there. What kind of fables are we talking about? Well, we're, I, I hear them. You hear them. If you listen to certain television evangelists, you better be careful. You better match up what you're hearing to the word of God. Well, send in your seed, send in that gift, and it's going to transform your life. Giving's important. But you better watch the context of how it's being delivered. Because that's a fable that you can earn your way to get what God has for you according to my book, according to the book of the Bible that I read, you can't earn anything from God. It's a free gift. I heard another pastor the other day say, God only loves you when you're good. I thought, "Whoa, (laughs) I'm in trouble then. God loves you, period. As a matter of fact, God loves you so much, he proved his love for you that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to get good because you couldn't get good. I couldn't get good. So there's a lot of fables out there. What else does he say? He says, be watchful in all things. Timothy knew that he would not be able to fulfill his ministry unless he kept a careful eye out, careful attention. Being watchful in all things. Every, Every good pastor, if I can say it that way, According to God's Word, has his eyes open, watchful, observing, listening with spiritual eyes. And there's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on in the scene. There's things going on that are unseen. So we have to be watchful. Number five, endure afflictions. Will there be affliction? Well, apparently so, because he says endure afflictions. So he doesn't say in case there are afflictions. He says endure afflictions. What are some afflictions? Afflictions are the hardest part of ministry. Afflictions are when the people of God in the church of God turn against one another or they turn against the pastors or leaders. I know the history of crossroads. The history doesn't have to define us. God has a bright future for us. I know Lynette and I, we had the privilege to serve in a couple of churches. I wish I had time to tell you all the stories. Happy to tell you after the service sometime in the next few months or years if you want to know. But we had the opportunity to serve in a couple of churches where there were some major afflictions. Enduring some major afflictions. One of those churches we served in uh, encountered some uh, difficult times financially. Financially. And the reason being, just being really honest, was people weren't giving. Which, by the way, is is our requirement collectively as a church. We'll talk about it in just a minute if we don't run out of time. And because things were challenging in giving, they decided against the pastor. I was not the pastor. I was associate pastor. But against the pastor's judgment and against the recommendation of the staff, they would eliminate immediately all missions giving from their budget. To which our response was, we don't think that's a good idea. As a matter of fact, we're serving here at this church because of missions giving that paid for some of us to go to school as a result of why we're able to be here and serve in this church. And you're saying, get rid of missions giving. In the span of about four weeks, all the staff left the church. I think that was, well, Ned will have to help me with the math, but I think that was about 15 years ago. And since that happened, I think the longest tenure of the pastor has been about nine months. So there are some places of major affliction. I thank God that Crossroads is not one of those places. And Paul is telling Timothy, he's warning him, things are going to be difficult to be a pastor or a leader. It's not a Cakewalk, it's not always easy. There's great times. There's times of celebration. There's times of mourning. When people that you love go on to be with the Lord. There's times of celebration when people get married or there's births or or great things happen. Somebody gets a new job or they have a grandbaby. There's ups and downs of being a pastor or a leader. But Paul is reminding Timothy, get ready because you're going to have to endure affliction. Number six and the last one. Do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. If you study the text and the whole chapter as a whole, which I would encourage you to do, you'll find out and discover that Paul is really challenging Timothy because he was not necessarily gifted as an evangelist, but that was one of the faithful works he was supposed to be doing as a preacher of God's word, was doing the work of an evangelist. And part of that, he goes on to say at the end of that verse, verse 5, is fulfilling your ministry And if you go back and look at the original language, you could actually capitalize in your Bible the word your. Y-O-U-R. You could capitalize that. Your ministry. Why Why would the emphasis be on that? Because he's emphasizing to Timothy, do what God has called you to do. Do what God's called you to do. God hasn't called me to do what the pastor that was 20 years ago came here to do. God's called me for a specific role. In the ministry that he's given me here to do. Do your ministry. Do what God's called you to do. So church, what could you expect? Let me run through these very quickly because we're out of time. And I'm happy to send these to you. Uh, When I came here, actually in view of a call, uh, September almost three years ago, I think it was, we had a fellowship down here and I printed out what I'm going to read to you very quickly was my commitment based on actually this chapter and many others in God's Word about being a pastor. And here's what I told you, and I still hold true to this, uh, and these are my convictions. So let me run down this list real quick. Number one, I will give priority to my personal communion with God. I'll put my own soul first. There's no way to be an effective pastor if I don't take care of myself. Number two, I will give priority to prayer and holiness. I'll undertake no sermon. No pastoral work, no task of the ministry without seeking God's face first. Number three, I will remember that preaching is a primary task God has called me to do here, and I will do it rightly. And to do it rightly, I need the Holy Spirit twice for every sermon, once in study and once in the pulpit. Number four, I will be profoundly thankful and humbled for the honor of being an ambassador of Christ Jesus, which I am. Number five, I will devote my energy into preaching Christ biblically, doctrinally, and practically. Number six, I will love the triune God. I will love my wife. And my children, my kids, my people, my work, and I will love you number seven i 'll maintain a radical sense of, de- of i dis- will uh, get i 'll maintain a radical sense of dependency on the anointing of the holy Spirit. number eight, i 'll ask God to give me a few very close pastoral friends with whom we can be accountable. Number nine i 'll live an eternal perspective that fuels our urgency here at crossroads for the lost and to grow in maturity and last number ten i 'll seek to serve love and grow our team and staff that God has given us here at Crossroads. I believe those match to some degree what God's expectation is according to what Paul told Timothy to be a pastor. So here's the question for Jack this morning. How am I doing? (laughs) Uh, i got a long way to go and a short time to get there, Bandit. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Ask your neighbor. Got a long way to go long way to go and a lot to learn. So, two questions for the invitation and we'll pray and wrap up this morning. Here's the first one. Based on what Paul told Timothy, and this is perhaps a sermon for another time, I told you what my role is according to what Paul told Timothy. What part do you have to play? Because you have a role too. And the second question would be a little bit, little bit different. We probably should do this more often at Crossroads. But maybe as you sit there this morning, you're going, I want to sign up for that. By the way, that's not a good campaign speech to recruit pastors, is it? But for some of you, I don't know maybe even some of our young people, God's doing a work in your heart and God's saying, I'm calling you out to do ministry vocationally as a career, as a calling, as a job for your future. You may be an adult in here. I spoke to one of our members about a month ago who said he felt like God was calling him overseas. I said, how do you think God's going to confirm that? Well, I'm not sure. I said, God will confirm that in the body in the context of the body of of Jesus Christ. The local church is how God confirms that. That's how he did it in the New Testament. So stay plugged in because God will reveal that to you. So maybe this morning God's calling some of you out to do that, to be a pastor, a missionary, a leader. Will you say yes? Will you say yes? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for challenging me this week. Wow. Got a long way to go, Lord. Got a lot still to learn. Would you help me? Help me to prioritize God to stay tuned into preaching the word. There are a lot of other responsibilities, but God, please don't let me neglect preaching the word. And what I pray this morning for these friends in this place. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the privilege to get to serve here. Thank you for this group of people that love you. Thank you for this group of people that give and give and give and keep on giving to accomplish the mission of God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Would you speak to our hearts this morning? Church family, in just a minute, we're going to have a song. Joey's going to lead us in our invitation hymn, a song for you to respond to God. I don't know how God's spoken to you this morning because I know it's been, he's been speaking to me for sure. But maybe he said something to you about your role, whatever that is. Would you just do business with the Lord right there in your seat? If you need to come down front, grab somebody's hand or kneel at these steps, just altar up front and pray, that's great. Maybe for some of you this morning, even as you heard the challenging words from Paul to Timothy, God's saying, I'm calling you to step out to do that. I'm calling you to step out to do that to be a minister of the gospel. If that's you this morning, I'll be here waiting. I'm going to ask my friend Heath to come stand with me. You don't have to have it figured out. You may know God's speaking, but you may not know all the details. Guess what? That's okay. God may be waiting on you to say yes before he tells you the next step on the journey. Lord, I pray you'd have your way during this service, during this invitation time, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, church family. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing together. You respond as God leads, as Joey leads us in our closing song.
0: We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.